Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Come be a part of the greatest stable since the four horsemen and freeshows.com is your home for Arn and all of my other podcasts. And you get every episode from all the shows early ad free and on video for as low as $9 a month. That's just 30 cents a day. Want to add cheese to that whopper Adfreeshows.com also has tons of exclusive Arn bonus content, like reliving the very first war games match or watching back a landmark moment in Arn's career pinning Hulk Hogan one, two, three on nitro. We also have interactive events where you get to chat one-on-one with Arn during ask Arn live, or how about live watch along events? Like we did with FTR and Tully. Uh, of course, Arn is not one to toot his own horn. So I will toot toot Adfreeshows.com is the best value going in wrestling today. So sign up today or else maybe we should have a gun sound effect here. Oh, I'm just kidding. Adfreeshows.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Christmas is finally behind us, but are you dreading those credit card bills headed your way? Well, here's a pro tip. Don't get stuck making minimum payments in the new year. Savewithconrad.com can help you get rid of your credit card debt just like that. Oh, and we're going to get you the best deal on a mortgage you've ever had. But how's this for starters? No payments until March. You don't need money out of your pocket or perfect credit. So find out how much money you can save for free right now at savewithconrad.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, the founder of the Four Horsemen, the creator of the Spinebuster. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. It's Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? After seeing that open, I'm good. That was pretty impressive, wasn't it? Hey, man, we're excited to have you. Excited for us to continue our talk through 1987. And uh, we're just going to pick things up where we left off. But before we do... Man, is it just me or is uh, AEW leveling up? What a big show they had this past weekend. And your man, Cody, boy, he had everybody talking after that promo. Did he not? Uh, what did you take from that? I, I thought the build and, and, and the inference to the old pipe bomb promo that, that the quote unquote smart marks love so much. And then him looking over his shoulder saying, I did that was just tremendous. 
And, uh, I don't know. I'm excited for what's next. I like what we're doing with Cody these days. And it made me want to see what happens next week with a big ladder match. Yeah. And you know, those are always exciting. If you've got performers, they'll figure out a way to use that toy and make it very, very good. And I'm sure they will. Uh, it was an incredible show this past week and, uh, it's good to have Mox back, obviously. Uh, glad to have him back on the scene. He is a, uh, and he is a different cat in a very good way. So good to have him back. And Cody was on fire. I think some of the things that we, he and I've been talking about, maybe you're starting to sink in. Who knows? Well, I'm excited to see what's next. Uh, I have to admit, I, I did a double take at not just, uh, Cody's promo, but Moxley's. Uh, I, I know he may have been a little rusty. Maybe he hadn't been on a live mic in a while, but wow, that was fun. That was real. Do you remember there being a time where you, uh, maybe accidentally let one slip on TV in your day? Not, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> I am certain I would have been escorted off the premises. Uh, amazing that that got by, you know, it was just, it was emotional and, uh, it was a legitimate mox. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I fell out of my chair when I saw that. Hey, so before we move on, cause we are going to be talking all about 1987. I just want to follow up and ask one more thing. I'm sure you saw the close of the show. I'm sure you saw sting. He's going to turn 63 in a couple of months and he's jumping off the stage through tables. Dude, did he find the fountain of youth or what? I think he is, he realizes there's something left. You know, it's, uh, when you walk in the door with all those kids after knowing and seeing some of the stuff they do, I know myself, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty humbling. And for Sting to come, you know, dive off that and go through that table, you know, it's just him doing things that are within his wheelhouse that he never knew were there. Uh, I doubt if he would have done that 25 years ago. It's, so uh, it, it's, it is. It's pretty amazing. I don't know a lot of 63-year-olds who are doing stunts like that. This dude is superhuman, just amazing, such a fun show. And uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of fun shows as we talk about March of 87. Boy, we are knee-deep in the Horseman storyline. Of course, there's a problem brewing now with Ole Anderson and the rest of the Horsemen, specifically... With Tully Blanchard, he took great issue with some comments that we heard recently here on the program. And of course, we've got another guy ready to fill the spot. Lex Luger has called his shot. He debuted in January and he said, I want to be a horseman. And March is also famous, not just for folks coming into the promotion, but one leaving. We're going to get there, but let's get started at the beginning. We start on March 1st in front of 4,500 fans at the Omni in Atlanta. You're on fourth teaming with Lex Luger to take on Bob Armstrong and Tim Horner. I guess in hindsight, the idea here is Arn, let's get Lex Luger as much ring time as we can with some, some veterans. And I can't think of many folks better to have him in there with than Bob Armstrong. Could you see the progression day to day, week to week, month to month? What was this process like to bring Lex Luger along here in March of 87? Well, you had that incredible look and it was up to us. It was just critical that our success was going to be based on his success. And if he just had a look and that's all he had, we were going to, you know, our audience in those days, Conrad, as you know, 
to be able to get a job and hold a job, much less a position and and be positioned pretty high up the card, you had to be able to perform. There was only room for a gimmick or two. Now, Luger had the body thing down, and if we, we figured, you know, the promo was going to come or it wasn't, that's one, usually one of the last things to come along. If we could protect him, if we could help his work rate, if we could pull him up to where he was operating at a different level, then you had something there because there was no doubting when the guy came through the curtain, jaws hit the ground. I want to mention too, Bob Armstrong pulled double duty on this show. He's second on the card, taking on Thunderfoot number one. He gets a breather during Mike Rotundo and Thunderfoot number two, and then he's back in there in tag action. Uh, and then his son is going to be two matches later, Brad Armstrong. Man, this is old school, classic Alabama talent that I just get tickled seeing on these old cards. Uh, another match I wanted to mention our main event, or actually before we get there, Dusty's teaming up with Nikita to take on Ivan Koloff and Dick Murdoch. And of course, Dick Murdoch and Dusty Rhodes had a huge history. Now they're on opposite sides of the ring and Dick Murdoch teaming with Ivan Koloff. I don't know that I would have called that. Uh, what do you think of that tag team in hindsight? It's a little bit of a bastard booking, to be honest with you. Um, those people that knew about Dusty and Murdoch, I bet you there wasn't five people in the arena. Right. You know, so that doesn't bother me whatsoever. Murdoch was such a character, he could pretty much float in and out of any angle uh, that he wanted to. Uh, it was just such a strong, you know, Captain Redneck. Whether you liked him or you didn't like him, he, he was fine either way. Um, doubling back before we get to this match, though, I think we should probably say on the Bob and Tim Horner match. Yeah. If you go back and look at that, I guarantee you Tim Horner was in there doing everything he could to make Luger Godzilla, mm. and that should be commended. We should uh, look at that as being such an asset to the territory at that time. We had so many Brad, Tim Warner type performers, Denny Browns, just just guys that could really go, but were positioned first and second match, and they really should have a pat on the ass. Absolutely. Trained by the Briscoes. Uh, he's only 62 years old now. It's crazy to think about that. Tim Horner seems like a name from three generations ago. He's actually younger than Sting. I mean, that just really puts into context what Sting is doing, but I totally agree with you. Tim Horner, I think is, uh, what folks in your day may have referred to as a great mechanic. Is that fair to say? Hell of a hand was the exact terminology. And a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> as the business evolved and, you know, they looked at that as almost, uh, a negative, you know, if you were called, Hey, he's a hell of a hand. That meant you were going to go out and get everybody else over. You're a star maker, not a star. And that's what it, it's a shame that it evolved into that because originally that's all it meant. When they said he's a hell of a hand, it meant the guy could go out there with anybody or anything and have a match. And that's who Tim Warner was. He was one of those. Brad, same thing. I, I want to mention too, you know, from a promoter standpoint, and Lord knows I've never been a wrestling promoter, and, and I don't guess you've ever really promoted shows either, but you need. I mean, listen, the stars are going to come and go. You're going to, you're going to get them over. You're going to get them in a hot angle. And then sometimes they're going to move on, but you've got to have a set of reliable guys who, you know, are going to make sure the fans keep coming back. And a guy like Tim Horner 
is just as important and arguably more important than whoever they think they're buying a ticket to see. Fair enough. Fair enough. The main event that night is uh, Ric Flair defending his uh, world title against Barry Windham, and they go to a 30 minute mark here. So you're getting some really good matches at the live events. The next night, we're going to have a bit of a repeat. Uh, we're going to have uh, a show in Greenville, South Carolina on March 2nd at the Memorial Auditorium. Uh, it'll be once again, you teaming up with Lex to take on Tim Horner and uh, Bob Armstrong. What's interesting about this one. We do tweak the main event just a little bit and we get Ric Flair versus Barry Windham in a two out of three falls match. We get a singles match with dusty and Ivan Koloff, which goes back. I mean, I don't know to Madison square garden way back when, but most interesting on this to me, Dennis Condry and Mike Rotundo in singles action. what do you think of Dennis as a singles performer? We've never really talked about that. I really don't even know how we got there. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, it, it just jumps off the page. It does. Him, be, him being in a single match and how that, you know, came to be. I wish I knew. I wish I was a bug on the wall and knew that conversation because even though Dennis Condry was a world-class performer, it's just like you look at him without Bobby and without Corny and it's, it's a different animal. We're going to have, uh, some clips, uh, that we're going to play that are going to happen, uh, on March 7th. So that's when it airs, but it was recorded on March 3rd in Spartanburg. And this is where the rubber starts to meet the road. And JJ is going to basically say that you've got to make your decision. Are you with Ole? Or are you with the horseman? And, uh, we'll hear from that in a little bit. You did have an enhancement match that day. You're going to pin Tommy angel with the spine buster and the gourd buster. The old two piece got him in three minutes and two seconds later in this same taping. Uh, cause you're not only taping worldwide, but you're taping pro as well. Uh, we would see more promos of course, but Tully and Arn are going to team up with JJ in their corner to take on Mitch snow and Larry Stevens. Tully gets the win on Stevens with the slingshot suplex. Do either of those names ring a bell to you, Mitch snow or Larry Stevens? I'm better on faces than I am on names. <clears throat> Larry Stevens seems to ring a bell. Uh, but got to remember, man, how many years ago has that been? Oh, uh, 35 long time yeah. ago. I mean, I'm a little bit better, you know, on, if I see a guy, I recognize a guy. I remember him really bad on names. March 4th, you're in my old stomping grounds, the Birmingham Jefferson civic center, and you're going to be working second from the top. Nikita Koloff is going to give you a shot at the U S title, but wouldn't you know what that damn Russian sickle got the job done and 11 minutes and 29 seconds. Uh, would your only advice be if you're going to wrestle Nikita Koloff duck, what would yes. your, adv- <laughs> you beat me to it <laughs> duck and, or run for your life. 750 fans here. That's gotta be a disappointment. BJCC is a big old damn arena. I mean, it could probably seat, I don't know, 18,000. And there is a much smaller venue in Birmingham. You could have went to, uh, the Batwell auditorium, but 750 fans, would you put that on the local promoter? Is that, uh, perhaps competition from the WWF? Did you just not have the right main event? I, I mentioned that because dusty's on the card, but he's working in the middle. What goes on last is the rock and roll express and Rick Rude, and Manny Fernandez. And for whatever reason, only 750 here that jumps off the page to me. Well, one thing is <clears throat> Every single Monday, you had Continental, I would think. They were still based in Pensacola, correct? 
Yeah, but they were running they Birmingham, were, yeah. They were running every single Monday at Boutwell, and that was their home team. Us coming in or the WWF coming in, we were just like, you know, the circus coming by, we blow through occasionally. There were fans that were local to their stories, to to their talent, that would, you know, go every single Monday. And so when we got to town, we were kind of like the outsiders. Now, you can use that as an excuse, and you can just say, well, they didn't want to see it. Who knows? Uh, but 750 is not a house that you would be that proud of. No. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so it's New Year, New Me, and all that jazz, but I want to tell you about something that our friend of the show, Eric Bischoff, has been telling me about for years. It's Kratom. Now, I have to admit, I had no idea what in the world Kratom was until a few years ago, but it turns out I'm way behind. You see, Kratom is an all-natural herb related to the coffee plant that's been used in Thailand for centuries. Kratom helps energize your mind and relax your body. A lot of people say, it just helps me feel good. That has certainly been the way Eric Bischoff approaches it. Eric Bischoff actually uses this a lot of times before we record 83 weeks. Now, what I'm talking about, of course, is Super Speciosa. Super Speciosa only has one ingredient, pure Kratom leaf. And here's what we're talking about. This is going to allow you to focus. It certainly helps Eric focus whenever we're talking about granular details from 25 or 30 years ago. It gives him the opportunity to focus. A great friend of the show, Cassio Kid. He uses Kratom to relax. Uh, He thinks Kratom is a, a great alternative when he's looking to wind down at the end of the day. People use Super Speciosa for a lot of different reasons. But here's a few other ideas that you might find a need for Super Speciosa. Maybe you're looking for, I don't know, the extra courage to ask that special someone out on a date. Maybe you need the gumption to go ask your boss for a raise. Maybe you need to run that extra mile. Kratom is often used as a pre-workout, and we recommend Super Speciosa. For beginners, we recommend capsules because they're easier to use. We also recommend the green strains. They are the most popular. By the way, I want to mention if you've never tried Kratom before, Super Speciosa has a 100% satisfaction or your money back guarantee. We've recently made a change at Super Speciosa as well. The code I'm about to give you can be used again and again, and you're going to be able to use this code to continue to save money. How much money? Well, check this out. Try Kratom now and get 20% off. Go to GetSuperLeaf.com forward slash ARN and get 20% off with promo code ARN. That's GetSuperLeaf.com forward slash ARN and use the promo code ARN for 20% off. By the way, these statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. But buddy, it's not like it just popped up. Kratom is an all-natural herb. It's been used in Thailand for centuries, and we think it's about time you try Super Speciosa and save 20% off when you go to GetSuperLeaf.com forward slash ARN and use that promo code ARN. 20% off at GetSuperLeaf.com 
forward slash Arn. You know, uh, this is a different era, you know, that we're talking about here in the, in the late eighties, 87 to be exact. About 87, is this considered a no-no to travel into another territory like this? Like I know once upon a time, you just didn't do that. And, and now of course, this is a different era. Vince McMahon is challenging the world and most of the territories, Bill Watts and, and, and world-class, they're all kind of on their ass at that point. Is it viewed as just a two horse race and the rules are out the window, at least in your perspective by 87? I think there would be a behind the door, closed door compensation. Mm. I would think so. I would think that, you know, Ron Fuller and the ownership of, of them would have got some type of uh, kickback for, for them running in their territory. Uh, I'd be probably very surprised if there wasn't some consideration. The next day, boy, you're doing something really out of the norm. You're going to Memphis to the old Mid-South Coliseum, the Jarrett Territory. It's March 5th, 1987. You're going to be working with Boogie Woogie on third. But the main event, Bill Dundee defeats Dusty Rhodes in a King of Tennessee match. Boy, if that ain't Memphis, I don't know what is. Bill Dundee over Dusty Rhodes only in Memphis. My goodness, that jumps off the page. Do you remember this show? Were there any details of exactly what happened for the finish? No. I can't imagine how that would have went down anyway, other than a DQ with maybe Dundee getting his hand raised. Well, I'm sure that Bill Dundee cheated. I mean, I think he's wrestling here as a heel. So I'm sure there was 48 down referees, 19 chains in the underwear and on and on. Um, you guys would sell out. Uh, that very next day in Morganton, North Carolina. And then we're back to Atlanta on the seventh. And this is where we're doing our TBS tapings. You're in singles action with uh, Mike Anderson, but this is an interesting show because it's the debut of the new theme song and entrance video that so many of us like so much. Uh, but while we're here, of course, that means it's the weekend. We're going to take a listen to some promos. And I think we've got a promo from pro with the horseman addressing what in the world is going on. This is from March 7th, 1987 on Pro. Okay, here we are with J.J. Dillon, members of the Four Horsemen Associate Lex Luger. First time we have talked since Ole came back out, slapped you, and then a heck of a scrap between he and Tully. That ensued. Tony Schiavone, it's been a very busy week for the Four Horsemen. We've been doing a lot of soul searching, a lot of conversation. And you see, Arn Anderson has been put in a very precarious situation and all week, he really has been uh, non-committal. But he has promised us an answer tonight as to where he stands. Now, he knows how Blanchard feels. He knows how I feel. We've made our position crystal clear. But you see, Arn Anderson is his own man. Nobody tells Arn Anderson what to do. Not even Tully Blanchard, not even myself. Now, we feel that he's got a tremendous future ahead of him as part of the Four Horsemen. But Arn, whichever way you feel you have to go, We've been great friends, and we like to keep it that way. Well, J.J., the question everybody in every arena throughout this country has asked me, it's all been the same. Where do you stand? Well, Tully, through what I truly believe, true friendship, you tell me to see the light. You see, two short years ago, I came to Jim Crockett Promotions, a veritable unknown. They said, who is this brash, loudmouth kid, claims he's got all this ability, and his name's Anderson. Well, in a short time, I showed the people through hard work, through dedication, why and who I am. I am truly an Anderson. I'm truly one of the four horsemen. So 
So I built my whole life, my whole crescendo around what Anderson meant, tag team wrestling. Only at that particular point in time was off lollygagging with one Thunderbolt Patterson. He saw a chance through me to come to the top of the heap, through me only. So we did that. I built my whole life on a crescendo for one ill-fated night. I'm talking about Starcade 86. My chance to go into immortality. My chance to be a world tag champion. And on that given night, Ole, I don't know whether you were thinking about your kid. I'm family too, Ole. I'm family too. Don't I matter? When they got the one, two, three, I looked in your eyes. I looked deep in your eyes. Anybody can get beat. But I saw something, Ole. I saw the fire was no longer there. When an Anderson gets beat, the fire burns more intensely than ever. I saw it wasn't there. It was burnt out. I knew then it was over. It was time for Double A and the rest of the horsemen to go their own way. So Ole, I'm gonna go my own way. And the killer call off, I'm setting my sights on you. You see now, I gotta prove myself all over again. Well, I am a horseman. And you want to know where I stand? Always a horseman, forever. And we'll see you next week on NWA Pro Wrestling. NWA Pro Wrestling is a presentation. And what a great promo that we saw there. Uh, At this point in your career, probably one of the most important promos you ever did, right? What a crossroads. You know, that was probably bigger than we even made it, made it be in that promo. It was life choice. Big time. And, uh, you know, if you're watching that and you understood what you were seeing, you know, the shit was going to hit the fan, no doubt. (laughs) I'm curious from your perspective, you know, when you're doing a promo like that and you're saying, you know, I'm going my own way and, and Nikita Koloff, I'm coming for you. Did you think at that moment, you're probably going to become more of a singles wrestler as opposed to a tag team was the plan always to put you and Tully together. Or did you think, okay, from here on out, I'm primarily singles. I just think the three of us at that point, Luger, Tully, myself, were going to be interchangeable. Mm. And I knew that because that's what we'd, we'd been before that. You know, that Tully and I hadn't concentrated on being just a team, but there were a lot of six-mans. There were a lot of tags with Tully and I, you know, Rick, Rick and I. Uh, but I, I knew that. You know, we, we had to hang on to that world title. That was number one. You keep that as your your uh, your figurehead, and that was your calling card. Flair had to stay champion, and then the three of us were interchangeable on what we did about the rest of the uh, titles. That same weekend, of course, uh, it's March 7th. We're going to hear from Oli, but this time it's going to be on Worldwide. So we heard what Arn had to say. Let's hear from Oli now on Worldwide on March 7th, 1987. We've been looking to talk to Oli Anderson, finally get a chance to talk to him. Oli, why don't you just come in here and tell us your side of the story? Well, as you say, a lot of people have been asking me what's happening with the four horsemen. I'll tell you this, as far as Flair is concerned, I really don't know because I haven't talked to him. Iron, I've only heard some things about him, and I'd say the kid's a little bit confused, and maybe he's just letting his brain race a little bit further than it should right now. Lex Luger, I tell you right now, you might be making a big mistake. You're a big kid, good-looking, got a lot of future. But I don't think you're going to have a future with a guy like James J. Dillon. I don't think you're going to have a future with a guy like Tully Blanchard, the man that's the outsider. And I'll tell you why. Because any time a person puts their business, whatever it might be, whether it's making cars or down here at the factory someplace, 
putting up tomatoes or it's a farmer out here growing corn. If you put that ahead of your family, then you're making a big mistake. And I'll tell you what, in the years I've been on earth, I finally maybe learned myself that there is something that's very important, that is family. And any time I got to listen to a guy like Tully Blanchard or James J. Dillon calling my people no good and making some comment about my son, my son. Now you take a look and you ask yourself, you're sitting at home, you're right here in this building. What's more important to you if it isn't your family? What do we got Christmas for? What do we got birthdays? What do we got all these things for if it's not family? Well, I'll tell you, it's real important to me. Family is real important. And nobody makes a comment about my boy. I understand Dylan, he's even got this big Bubba. Well, I'll tell you what, Bubba, if you think it's easy, ask some of these people here, ask them all around the country what it was like when the Andersons were riding high. I might be an old horse, but as far as I'm concerned, there's still one ride left. Bubba, Tully, JJ, anybody else that wants a piece of Anderson, it's going to be real, real easy. I know, Aaron, you talked about the fire. You looked in my eyes and you said maybe the fire was going. Well, you look in my eyes again. You know what they say? The flame burns brightest just before it goes out. Well, maybe I'm on my way out, but it's burning bright right now. And I got one reason, one reason above all, that I'm going to make sure I knock some heads and I break some arms. And I'll tell you what that reason is. It's that son of mine. It's that snot nose. And everywhere I go, I'll be looking at you, Tully. I'll be looking at you, JJ. And I'll be looking for you, Big Bubba. And I'll be looking at you, and I'm going to be calling you a snot nose. Look out, because Anderson's coming. Thank is that a... Uh... <laughs> Damn. That's real. That, that's a babyface interview that is to the point. 100% believable, credible, unbelievable. I mean, between those two promos, I'm ready to watch y'all wrestle right now. <laughs> We're not there yet, but uh, I'd buy a ticket for that. I'm in. I think I might choose sides again. <laughs> what you're going to, I mean, that, I mean, from the heel side of the ball or the baby face side of the ball, say what you want to about Oli. when he speaks. You believe it. Yes. Period. And that kind of credibility, that kind of believability is what sells tickets over a long term. And when you get over with that being your uh, mantra, mm-hmm. you stay over. Yeah. Well, you're going to stay over that weekend. You're going to go over Mike Anderson in a squash match. Uh, I don't really want to listen to the squash act, uh, actually, but there's a horseman promo right after that. We don't want to miss. This is from world championship wrestling on March 7th, 1987. Let's take a listen. This is the show, by the way, with the debut of the new theme song and entrance video. For those of you who are now JCP nerds, which is kind of fun. Let's take a listen here to March 7th, the uh, horseman promo. Sign buster. You see why driving. That is actually Mike Jackson. Action Jackson, Alabama zone. Back here with James J. Dillon, Lex Luger, and the world TV champion, Tully Blanchard. You know, Tony Schiavone, the big controversy, what's going to happen with the horsemen? The horsemen are the horsemen, just like we always have been. But you know, what happened last week has weighed heavily on our minds. But you know, you think about it, and you think back 
about all the times when Ole Anderson was not there. You know, this is a business. We do this to make money, to buy homes, cars, and provide the lifestyle that we all like. Am I right, James J? The revenues that come back on our business. Ole Anderson, you were part of an elite group that was a money-making unit. A lot of money. And Ole Anderson, you weren't there many times in the corner when we needed. You weren't here on television when we needed. You weren't there when we needed you for a long time. And even when you did come, Ole, you were falling behind and not getting the job done in the eight-mans. You weren't keeping up. You weren't going to the gym when you needed to be. You were out doing something else. Well, Ole Anderson, if that snotty nose kid of yours, and I say it again, and where are you today to cheap shot me out here with my clothes on? Holy Anderson, you want to cheap shot somebody, you do it in the ring just like we've always done it. That's what the horsemen live by 24 hours a day. Is that the way you want to come out here? James J. Dillon in the wrestler. He's a middle giant. He's a financial wizard. That's what he does. That's what we pay him for. Not to come out here and get beat up and slapped by you because you're running having a damn tantrum tantrum. Holy Anderson, you think about all those things when you're sitting there at breakfast and you can't afford to feed that snotty nose kid of yours because you're not a horseman. You think about it. Fans, we'll be back with our world junior heavyweight title match right after this. How about that, man? Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Let's take a time out here. And while we normally have a lot of fun on this show, this is a pretty serious topic. Life insurance, specifically Goliath life insurance. Let me give you a pro tip. We're all going to die. So before you get a visit from the undertaker, think just for a second about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow with life insurance from GoliathLife.com, What we're really talking about is protecting what you've worked so hard to provide for both you and more importantly, your family. You see, life insurance isn't about you. It's about those who matter the most to you. Sure. You do a great job taking care of them now, but who would do that? If something awful happened to you, I just lost two friends in the last year and a half, one forty-two with two kids, the other 46 who left behind a wife and three kids. Thank God they had insurance. And Hey, I hear you. Nobody wants to think or talk about life insurance, but think about this. You might not get in a car accident but you have auto insurance. You might not get sick, but you have health insurance. So we'll protect our car and we'll even protect ourselves from like crazy medical bills. But will we protect our family? That's what life insurance means to me. Peace of mind. Goliathlife.com streamlines the life insurance purchase process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers all at the same time. And at the same place, Goliathlife.com. You'll do a fast and easy application and have multiple quotes within minutes. And oh, by the way, goliathlife.com has solutions for every budget. And maybe best of all, you pick your terms and payments at goliathlife.com. Once you pick your price, you can start the online application immediately. And check this out. You can even schedule the medical exam to happen in your home. 
You don't even have to leave the house to do this. And yes, I have done this. They sent someone to my office. It was fast. It was easy. And it was unlike anything I expected. I got to skip the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations, and even the multiple visits to the doctor's office that we all hate so much. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. Goliathlife.com promises no hidden fees, no upsell, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. The storyline continues here about all things horsemen. What's your takeaway? Well, uh, the one thing that kind of jumped off the page was Oli stepped up or Tully stepped up, carried that promo. There was no spot for Luger in that promo. And it feels a little bit funky that he didn't say anything, but there was really nothing to say because he wasn't involved yet as deeply as uh, Tully was. So I think that was a good call, and, and it was a good, solid promo by Tully. The next day, you're back on the road. Beckley, West Virginia, you're working second from the top with Wahoo McDaniel. The main event that night will be Ricky Morton teaming with Brad Armstrong, who's substituting for Robert Gibson to take on Rick Rude, Manny Fernandez. It was a non-title match, so our baby faces are victorious. On the ninth, you're in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It's another television taping, and we're going to see and hear the sights and sounds from that. That included you and uh, Tully picking up a win over Brady Boone and Eddie Roberts. Um, there is going to be some interaction with Ole Anderson, who's going to come into the ring. So we're going to take a listen to that here in a few moments. Uh, on March 10th, there's a couple of shows, uh, one in Greenwood and, uh, well, I guess there's only one Ric Flair still over in Japan. He had quite a tour during this era. Were you itching to get to Japan? Was that somewhere you were like looking forward to going to earlier in your career or here in 87, or is it something that you just got used to later on in life? At that time, I didn't know what was involved with the Japan tour. And after I found out many years later, I was glad that I did not go. Nothing disrespectful about Japanese wrestlers or wrestling or the companies. They've been very strong throughout the years. And bringing, you know, some of the American boys over was was a good way to go. Me, I am straight shooting American cat. I like USA paper. I like CNN news. Uh, back in those days, you know, I, I liked uh, being able to pull through a drive-through window anywhere and find something to eat. 7-Eleven was on every corner. And when you go to Japan, you are in culture shock. Everything changes. And uh, not very American in those days. So I was not chomping at the bit to go over there, no. No disrespect, just fine in the States. I get it. Uh, on the 12th, you're going to have 4,700 fans on hand in sunrise, Florida to see Nikita Koloff, uh, get a victory over you. The main event that night is totally Blanchard and dusty Rhodes. Uh, that same night, uh, they're running a show in Dorton, but you're in sunrise. So double duty here for the actual tour of uh, Jim Crockett promotions. March 13th, we've got uh, Bob and Brad Armstrong teaming up to take on Arn and Lex Luger at the Albany Civic Center. We're in Washington, D.C. on March 13th. And then come the 14th, it's time for us to do another TBS television show 
Of course, it'll be Tully, Arn, and Lex in a six-man taking on Alan Martin, Larry Stevens, and uh, Bill Mulkey. Before we get there, though, I know we've got some promos we want to take care of business on. We've got the Horseman cutting a promo on March 14th. This is 1987. Let's take a listen. To stand by the four horsemen, and I know, Arn, that it wasn't an easy decision to make. Well, J.J., everybody across this country figured this would be the hardest decision of my life. But in all reality, it turned out to be one of the easiest ones. You see, Ole, all those times you were at those amateur tournaments, and you were praying, and you were sitting there pulling for a member of your family, you forgot about me. Who am I, Ole? I'm family. What about me? You see all those days in the gym with Tully and Flair preparing for Starcade, preparing for my chance of morality, preparing in my chance for immortality. Where were you? You were thinking about number one, your kid yourself. Wally, as I said, I looked into your eyes. That fire was no longer there. Well, I worked too hard. I came too far to be one of the elite. And I'm talking about the four horsemen. So anytime anybody asks me, henceforth, where I stand, you look at Tully Blanchard, you look at Rick Flair, you look at James J. Dillon, they have shared with me something I'll never forget. It's being a four horseman 24 hours a day only, not just at night at the building when we wrestle. It's at night after the matches, during the day in the gym, going through the restaurants. You know, we're a horseman 24 hours a day only. That's something you decided to leave. It's something I'm going to continue to hold right here forever or as long as I live anyway. So there we go. Uh, you've, uh, made it clear what your decision is going to be. And, uh, thankfully there's a lot of syndicated shows that weekend, and that gives us an opportunity to have more than one promo. Let's take a listen to number nine here, a horseman promo for March 14th, 1987. Okay, Bob Cottle, members of the Four Horsemen, along with associate Lex Luger. Tony Giovanni, I gotta say honestly, I'm unpleasantly shocked because for the first time, only in about two years, you're right. I saw the fire. I saw the fire in your eyes that made me learn to respect you, learn to look at you as some kind of god. But only it's too little, too late because where was the fire? Star K9 that could have made us champions. You see, it's water under the bridge. It's just like closing the door after the horses left, Ole. You see, and at what expense did it cost us? You see, now I'm not a champion, and you're not a horseman. You know, I just sit back there and watch my monitor and become nauseated when Ole Anderson felt with some fatherly advice. Well, Ole Anderson, Lex Luger's not some 168-pound punk high school wrestler. He's 275 pounds, and I'm a big boy, Ole. I make my own decisions about who I associate with. If there's any voids for these men to be filled, Lex Luger's the man to fill him. You know, Ole Anderson, you come out here and you call me the outsider again. The first time you hurt me bad. You really hurt me, Ole, to call me an outsider. And you did it one more time. And I was a little bit disgusted. Then you did it again. Well, Ole, the disgust has turned in to anger. You know, you think back all those times you were gone. Off with that snot-nosed kid of yours. That's right, a snot-nosed kid. I was in the gym with your family. I was with Flair. I was with Art. I was working out. I was training. Just in your place, Ole. Not doing the things you wanted to do. I was doing what was necessary for the horseman to be the horseman. Now, Ole Anderson, you want to come out here, slap JJ, cheap shot with me. What you are, Ole, is acting like a man that has fell from grace. 
And if you want to act like that, that's fine. Because Ole Anderson, you're not dealing with a bunch of idiots. You're dealing with the elitist there is in professional wrestling. Ole, take a good closer look at this. I think it speaks for it all right here. And Ole, it's obvious that you're not a part of it and never, ever will be again. Okay, fans, for Bob Cottle and Johnny Weaver, I'm Charlie Schiavone, and your best seat is right here next week on NWA Pro Wrestling. We'll see you next week. So as if it wasn't clear enough right there, uh, Ole's out, and you can see they were real easy to have Lex throw his hands in there. It feels like Lex is going to be a horseman. And then, of course, World Championship Wrestling. The TBS 605 show airs that same weekend. We're going to hear a promo from you. Here comes number 11, March 14th, 1987. My name is Jay Dillon, Tully Blanchard, and Arn Anderson. It's kind of pure and simple, Ole. I'm talking to you now. I'm not talking to the millions, billions of Americans across this country. I'm talking to you. You heart family. Nobody talks about your family. Well, Ole, you're talking about let your family down while you are watching your son do something that's an individual sport. He didn't need you up there, Ole. Tag team wrestling is not an individual sport. It takes two. So you see, you call Tully Blanchard an outsider. It wasn't Ole Anderson that was coming by my house, picking me up in the morning, going to Flyers to work out. It wasn't Ole Anderson that was spotting me on that bench or the squad or whatever it may be, making me get two more reps, making me excel at what I do, pushing me that much further. It wasn't Ole Anderson that was going with me out to eat at the fine restaurants. It wasn't Ole Anderson that was my companion, my family. You look right here. This was my family. So you're talking about turning your back on my family. Everybody looks at me. How can you turn your back on Ole? Ole, I didn't turn my back on you. You turned your back on the only thing that I hold true. That's being a horseman. And you see all these people have suddenly got behind you, Ole. But the reason is they don't understand what we've done. We've done the battle line. Ole Anderson took his kid over his business and the rest of his family. He took us over the four horsemen, Ole. All I can say to you, yes, I saw the fire in your eyes one last time, maybe. Brighter than it's ever been, but Ole, at what expense? Because you see, we're not tag champions and you're not a horseman. So was the price too much? Ask yourself that. The kid of Koloff, U.S. Heavyweight title is all that's left. We've conquered all our goals except you. So I'm taking Ole out of my mind. I'm not worried about tag team wrestling. I'm putting it all behind me. My mind is finally clear. I'm coming for you, and you know exactly what that means. It's just a matter of time, Nikita. Arn, there's a ray of sunshine in all of this. That number seven seated spot in the cup. We've taken care of that situation. Kevin Sullivan will be there in Baltimore to be your partner, and he can more than hold his end up. Super JJ. That's right. Okay. Man, I love that First line. Team Shay Dillon and, of course, Arn Anderson. Let's go back to the ring. When you said that, uh, Hey, you know what? We're not a tag champ. We're not, I'm not a tag champion, but you're not a horseman. That's uh that's fun. It's showing their stakes to these decisions that have been made. That's a reality check. We, uh, we know what's coming next. Luger's become a, becoming a horseman. And it's time for us to take a listen. It's the same show. It's March 14th, 1987. Here comes number 12. Back with us now again, James J. Dillon, along with Lex Luger. Well, Tony, I promised you a big announcement before today was over, and uh, it's kind of funny. Normally, the horsemen like to take care of their business in private. 
We've been very successful doing that, like all your big companies do, but only Anderson has kind of changed all that because he's laundered his dirty laundry in public the last couple times out, and uh, I think that kind of sets him apart from everyone else, and deservedly so. But his actions have created a void. We've said we've washed our hands of Ole Anderson. You know, this great athlete here has been standing in the wings, and I get 50, 100, 200 pieces of mail, letter, telegrams, videotapes from nobodies, all wanting to jump on the bandwagon and be a horseman. But there was one individual that was a superstar in his own right that shocked even me and went on national television and said, I want to be a horseman, a man that was already a star in his own right. And that caught my attention. And he's been by our side and through thick and thin the last couple weeks with all the things that have come down, Les Luger very patiently sat by the sidelines and has still been firmly committed to what he said on day one, I want to be a horseman. And Lex Luger, we got a big party scheduled next week when Nature Boy Ric Flair is back in town, but we're going to make it public right now because we need to get some things done. As of this moment, Mr. Lex Luger is officially the fourth horseman. Thank you. Congratulations, Lex. You, know, you deserve it. Thank you. You know, J.J. Dillon will test. I've remained silent throughout this adversity and turmoil. I haven't been a vulture circling up above because I don't need an Ole Anderson to fall on his face to make my mark in the sport of professional wrestling, but I stated from day one that I wanted to be a horseman. You know, we come out and talk about jewelry, get the money, the cars, the extrinsic rewards of being a horseman. That just scratches the surface because what it is, it's family. These guys from day one have made me feel like their own brother. We do everything together, we travel together, we train together, we're family. That's the most important thing of being a horseman. Now what I'd like to say right now is there's one thing that's been happening. Now JJ, you can attest to this. There's something that's been going on here. These guys, they're interrupting our interview with this holy chant, but I'll say one thing. This thing right here, this is a historic moment in the sport of professional wrestling. It's the pinnacle. You know this stand out here of achievement like in my athletic career. We will go down individually and collectively as the greatest group, not only in professional wrestling, but in the world of professional sports. Mark my words, the four horsemen. Next week, I'll have every one of these people ejected. In fact, uh, now might not be too soon. When Flair's here next week, you haven't heard the last of us. You don't have to be subjected to this kind of ridicule. All right, the big announcement that Lex Luger is now the four horsemen. More action right after this. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hey, so what do you want to eat tonight? Maybe you want a home-cooked favorite, but you don't feel like going to the store? Or maybe you want something exciting and new, but it sure would be cool to stay in tonight. Well, DoorDash connects you with everything you want, whenever and however you want. Get what you want to eat right now and right to your door with DoorDash. Along with the restaurants you love, you can now get groceries and other essential items delivered with DoorDash. Get drinks, snacks, and other household items in under an hour. 
craving late night ice cream. Maybe you forgot the one key ingredient for dinner, or maybe you just need to stock up for the week with DoorDash, get everything in one app with over 300,000 partners. You can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your national favorite restaurants like Popeye's Chipotle and cheesecake factory. Ordering is easy and your items will be left safely outside your door. When you choose contactless delivery drop-off for a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter the code ARN. that's 25% off up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter the code ARN. Don't forget that code is ARN for 25% off your first order of DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Download the app, DoorDash, and use the promo code ARN. So what do you think? Lex Luger anointed the fourth horseman. You like that piece of business there? Yeah, I think it was just a matter of time. Timing was right. It was all about Lex. It should have been all about Lex. And uh, the uncanny thing is that audience was 100% behind Ole. Yeah. You know, and that's what made the business so good back then. They hated our guts, you know, and uh, it was because it was real. And Ole explained to them something that in their own lives was probably real. You mess with somebody's family, man. <clears throat> that's that's uncharted territory. Two things you don't do: you don't, uh, you know, you don't jump a dog in his own backyard, and you don't mess with family. And that has been in every aspect of life, long as I've been alive. Oh, you were alive that uh, same night because you're going to leave uh, the the television show here in TBS in Atlanta, and you're going to cruise on up to Greensboro. 15,000 plus is a sellout at the Coliseum. We're doing NWA super bouts that are going to wind up airing in May, believe it or not. But then we're doing another television taping here in TBS in Atlanta. The very next day, March 15th here, we would see you team up with Lex Luger to take on Tommy angel and Larry Stevens. It airs a week later though, on the 21st, uh, the next day, the company is in Greenville uh, and Daytona beach and Minneapolis. So it's kind of rare in this era, but we've got three shows on the same day. I know people talk about 86 as if it was the peak, but early 87, man, you guys were running a lot of shows. You're not kidding. Couldn't have done it without the private planes. There's no way to it. We could have done that. And it's just, uh, people that don't understand what the schedule was. If you listen to this podcast, you get an inkling of, of that travel. Minneapolis is from where? What were the other two towns earlier? Uh, Daytona Beach, Minneapolis, and uh, Greenville, South Carolina. You're running two crews. You're not running the same set of guys every time, but still, it's a uh, it's a lot of wrestling being consumed. A lot of folks are buying tickets with the letters JCP on them. Yeah, it was a lot of scheduling. A lot of guys. I would suggest that the crew you sent to Minneapolis, that's the only show they did, and the other guys probably had a double shot which is a full day. We keep things going. And on the 17th, uh, we're in China Grove, North Carolina. Uh, and here we're going to have a, a clip that airs on the program of, uh, you brawling with Oli and JJ is actually going to help you hit the gourd buster. Uh, we're really advancing this Oli orange storyline on the 18th. 
We're going to travel to New Mexico, Las Cruces, New Mexico. You're in singles action here with Barbarian. You're on third in front of 5,000 people. Is this, to the best of your recollection, the first time you wrestled in New Mexico? <coughs> or the Barbarian. Uh, yeah, that was just a random, again, that, that was a random booking. And I guess the thought process was <clears throat> we were established enough, the horsemen, you could just break us off and put us with anybody. And uh, the audience knew that you were going to have a competitive, entertaining match. And that's that was our challenge because, you know, in those days, you didn't normally have heels fighting heels. I misspoke. You're wrestling Barry Wyndham. Barbarian would lose to uh, Dutch Mantell right before you. You and Barry, though, boy, that was a night off, was it not? Well, I guess you did misspeak. There's a difference between Barbarian <laughs> and Barry Wyndham, last I checked. You got that right. Uh, yeah, so that makes a lot more sense. And uh, I'm sure Barry and I tore the joint down, if I do say so myself. Uh, the next day we're going to be in, um, Englewood, California, the great Western forum where the freaking Lakers play Ricky and Robert are going to take you and Lex Luger to a draw. Is this your first time trying to, you know, get a long match out of Lex? I assume, uh, he's, uh, holding up the ring post most of the night. Uh, he would probably come in selectively and, uh, mostly when it was his time to shine. Uh, I'm sure I pulled most of that match uh, with the rock and roll, and it was a pleasure and an honor, and I had no problem with it. You know, the obviously the, the psychology was the better I made them and the better they looked. Then when Luger came in, if they got something on him, it was even better for everybody. And uh, it was designed, I'm sure, for me to uh, take most of the beating, and then when it was time, Ricky took the other half. And uh, it's no problem. Lex looked apart. We just had to, the biggest mistake you could have made is leave him in the ring to flounder on the things that he was not good about. So we would just bring him in and uh, pivotal points in the match. The next day we're in New Mexico. This time it's Albuquerque, Tingley Coliseum. 3,632 fans are going to be there to see Nikita Koloff team with road warrior animal to take on Tully and Arn. How about that? Nikita Koloff and road warrior animal, uh, instead of duck, that sounds like double duck. Yeah. Uh, the, I, well, I wish Uber was around back there. <laughs> I would have damn sure caught one to the airport when I walked in, looked on that wall and looked at the lineup. <clears throat> that's a, that's a no win situation. If you're uh, the opponents of those two, Chicago, Illinois is the home for March 21st. You're going to get, pick up a win over Baron Von Raschke. And of course it's the weekend. So you know what that means? It's time for us to uh, play some clips from the syndicated show. Uh, let's go to uh, worldwide from March 21st. Number 13 It's going to be a promo with you and JJ. And here comes only, what do you know on worldwide March 21st, 1987. Iron blood supposed to be thicker than water. I don't understand the four horsemen. I don't understand what happened with, with Oli. Well, Bob, anytime you have a problem, the only way to solve the problem is to identify the source. 
You see, I've been having a lot of problems where my business was concerned. I couldn't figure out why I finally established where the source was. It was the fact that Ole Anderson not only does not have any more hearts, he has lost complete interest in the four horsemen and turned his back. So the question was, the $64,000 question all across the country is what the people, they wanted to know, where do you stand? Well, you got a tape. If Ole Anderson wondered where I stood, this will explain it, Bob Cottle. All right, here it goes. That's right, Larry. Well, Bob, let me, let me explain something to you. You see, what he did was he called Ole Anderson, I'm talking about, called Tully Blanchard, an outsider, slapped him, slapped J.J. Dillon on national television. You see, he said Tully was the outsider. Well, Bob Cottle, as you see right now, I always wondered as a kid just how bad Ole Anderson was. You see, he had me bluffed. I look at him like he was some kind of god the whole time I was growing up. I thought Ole Anderson was the pinnacle of what wrestling was all about. Ole and Gene. Well, Bob, when he let me down Starcade night, when he let the horseman down, when it got time to do the training, do the necessary, the extra things it takes to be a champion, he wasn't there. And as you see right now, Bob Cottle, what we did, we just gave Ole a little slapping. We showed him exactly what it's like when you turn your back on your family. We didn't turn our back on Ole. He turned his back on him. We had to correct him. We washed our hands of him, just like J.J. said. I don't want to ever have to lay hands on him. But only if I got to prove myself, it might as well be at your expense. Because you've caused this. We didn't cause it. You know, the Gord Buster's a devastating move. It's defeated wrestlers all across this world. And now Ole Anderson understands who the real stud in the Anderson family really is. We're talking about Arn Anderson. And if he had to feel the sting of the gourd buster to prove that point, you were more than capable of the job. And you know what bothered me from this point? Ole Anderson should have had sense enough to know that he was dealing with something that was greater than he was as an individual. But no, not stubborn Ole Anderson, no. Instead of going back to his dressing room, what does he do? He marched into the dressing room with the four horsemen like some kind of a fool, because that's exactly what it was, a very foolish move. And what did he do? Walk right up of all people to Ric Flair, the nature boy, the world heavyweight champion, and looked him in the face and said, hey, where do you stand? But I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Let's share together just exactly what happened.
right back. This year, it's time to get off the couch and get back into the bedroom. Blue Shoe can help. Guys, we know that confidence can take you far in life. And when you feel confident, you're at your best, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. And you can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, the process is simple. You sign up at bluechew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluechew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And with Bluechew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman. Because when your package has arrived, um, your package has arrived. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free. When you use our promo code ARN at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is ARN to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. How about that, man? What a piece of business that is. Uh, Ole Anderson wanting answers for himself. Of course, he's heard from you. He's heard from Tully. He knows how JJ feels. He knows that Luger's taking his spot, but Flair's been away. Flair's been in Japan. So the confrontation in the locker room leads to one hell of a beatdown. A bloodied up Ole Anderson gets beat on by all four of the horsemen. That was tremendous, dude. Any memories of this locker room brawl? What can you tell us about this? Well, what I do remember seeing it. is it's a piece at a time per week. Add another layer. Add another layer. And every week it was just building so that by the time he got to Flair and he said, you're the only one left, it's immediately reminded you, yeah, we haven't heard where Rick stands on this. It was just good storytelling. and It was just a piece a week. Add on. All right, what does the next guy think? What does the next guy think? So when it finally blew up, it made sense. It was uh, a special piece of business there, man. Uh, I've seen that clip a bunch, but I'll never get tired of seeing it. It's just classic stuff. And the hits continue. March 23rd, you're in Greenville, South Carolina, doing a TV taping. Another one on the 24th in Lincolnton, North Carolina. You're going to pick up a win over John Savage there. You're also going to be teaming with Tully and Lex to take on Ricky Lee Jones, the Italian stallion and Johnny ACE, Johnny ACE. How about this in 1987? Would this have been the first time you remember working with Johnny? Yep. Probably was. Yep. Absolutely. He was a flag bearer for the sheep herders. Eventually. I don't think he is yet. Is he, uh, at some point, but he was. You know, I think he just started out as an underneath guy on the crew. And uh, that was like the first time I I imagine that we would have worked with him, probably. Of course, Flair's on commentary here with Bob Cottle during the six man. And um, boy, we're on a collision course now with Ole and and all of the horsemen, not just Arn, but Flair and everybody. And the next day, man, you're back out west. The routing here sometimes is a head scratcher. Because you're now going back to San Francisco, California. And what a matchup this is on March 25th. It's Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors taking on Arn Tully and Lex Luger. 
The main event is Nikita Koloff and Ric Flair. It seems like we've got a loaded card, but there's only 2,700 fans. Do you remember at times scratching your head when you guys went West? I know we've talked about before that, oh, in hindsight, Crockett could have just stayed East or West of this and blah, blah, blah. But some of those shots you did out there did really, really well. And others, not so much. Is it just that competitive by WrestleMania three season here in late March, 87? Well, I remember that for some reason, San Francisco, and I'm sure we were at the cow palace, which was the wrestling building underperformed. And I don't, I don't really understand why, but I just remember it never being with WCW or slash, uh, Jim Crockett promotions. I never remember it being a overperformer. I think WWF had some good houses in there, but it was, it was more there. The West coast kind of belonged to them. I think. I want to mention, we've got a, uh, a promo that airs that we glossed over that I want to go back to from uh, world championship wrestling on March 21st. We've got all the guys together here one more time on TBS, uh, March 21st, 1987. Let's take a listen to that. And then we'll pick it up from here. A winner over big bill 10. And here they are together. The four horsemen along with James J. Dillon. You know, Tony Giovanni, as I was growing up as just a kid, there was something that always intrigued me. I was horrified by Ole Anderson. I was bluffed as a word. You see, I grew up, and I always seen Ole. He would take a man down and make him miserable that he existed on this earth. And I always wondered once I began to grow, grow a little more, get a little stronger, develop a little amateur background as myself. There was always that thought in the back of my mind. How about Ole? Is he really as bad as he looks? Well, Ole... You see, at this particular point in time, it's come to a realization to me, you ain't so bad. You ain't so bad, Ole, because you went out there, you had a brief little match with Big Bubba, and in the back of your mind, you were thinking. You were always preparing for the day you'd have to meet a horseman, Ole. When I rolled in that ring in the Greensboro Coliseum, and I looked in your eyes, the fire had gone out again. You said the fire was back, Ole. You know what was hanging out? It wasn't your eyes glowing. It was your tongue stuck out. Because, Ole, it's not the fact that you're not tough. Anybody knows Ole Anderson. It's as tough as he is. But, Ole, the reason it is, you got no heart left. You see, Ole, we all know that James J. Dillon was one of the finest amateur wrestlers on the face of the earth. We were going to bring him down. We were going to bring your kid down. Work out with him, Ole. If you would have put your priorities in line, we would have turned him into a state champion instead of a runner-up. You see, you worked with him by yourself. You told him about this thing we've always worried about. It's called public opinion. You said, son, try to do the right thing. Do what people want you to do. Well, Ole, the horsemen have never gave a flip about public opinion. We take and put it where it belongs. We shove it in the toilet. That's the reason television is the world television champion. That's the reason Ric Flair is the mecca of manhood besides being Space Mountain and the world heavyweight champion. You take a look at this great guy. He don't care about public opinion. He don't care about people in the gym saying, oh, Lex Luger's showing off. Look at him strike that chest. And James J. Dillon did not achieve the wealth he achieved by caring about public opinion. My friend, when I came on the scene, everybody said, this is a young, bad, fun kid. What is he saying? I don't care about public opinion. We are the poor. That's Back the way always be, right? And we'll see you next week. All right.
So the horsemen are a cohesive unit, you know, despite what's going on with Ole, you guys, you know, you're steadfast, you're a group. I like the way that group looks. And I know your preference is probably the version with Ole as a little kid. Uh, I love the Barry Wyndham version. what do you think of this version? Just, uh, the look and presentation with Ole out and Luger in. Uh, it worked for a time. It absolutely did. But the reality was, which we, we found out later is Lex had aspirations to, to do commercials and Hollywood and the whole thing. And he kind of saw himself as a single baby face. This was just a, uh, pit stop on his way there, you know, and we found that out on a very legitimate conversations. You know, he wanted to do commercials and movies and TV shows and all that stuff. And Hey, he certainly had the look for it. So, uh, but at this particular point in time, I thought it was a good look. It was totally different from Oli, you know, and you know, it was just one of those things that, uh, you look at it on paper cosmetically he was a good fit. He was that big monster, you know, that in those days, you, I mean, you got to think about it. You got barbarian warlords, you got, uh, the road warriors, you got Nikita and, uh, you know, Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev. You got all these monster, you know, wrestlers back in those days, you know, Steve Williams will come along before you know it, you know, and the Steiner brothers before you know it. And it's just one of those things that, Luger gave us that, that extra oomph that we needed at that time. Well, you're going to get some more oomph on the 27th of March. You're at the Omni 4,500 fans are there and check this out. You got Tully, Arn and Lex taking on Barry Windham, Bob Armstrong and Baron Von Raschke. What a six man that is 4,500 fans are here on the 28th. You're back in Atlanta doing uh, TV. Of course, you're going to do the uh, TBS show and there's a pro taping that night. You're scooting up to Philadelphia. The next day you're in Asheville, North Carolina for a matinee show. And the evening show is in Charlotte at the Coliseum. I want to mention this is uh, kind of a big deal. It's March 29th, 1987. Some of our listeners automatically know what that is. That's the date of WrestleMania three. And Jim Crockett is doing a matinee show in Asheville where it's Arn and Lex Luger teaming with Tully to take on Nikita, Barry, and Wahoo. The main event is Ole and Big Bubba in a street fight. And then that night, we've got Ric Flair and Barry Windham, uh, the tag belts with Ricky and Robert challenging Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez. And of course, Arn is going to be teaming with Lex to take on Wahoo and Brad Armstrong in Charlotte. I guess it makes sense to be in your own backyard. Charlotte was uh, the spiritual home and the, the home of the office for Jim Crockett Promotions. What was the buzz amongst the boys? What do you remember hearing in the locker room and the chatter and the car rides and whatnot about WrestleMania three? Well, I felt like by being in Charlotte, we were in our hometown. Yep. Did you get it? Did you get any numbers on that? I don't know if it was a sellout. I I assume it's not because it's not noted here. Okay. I bet it did well. And it was, it was one of the only ways to combat WrestleMania three. I mean, you were talking oranges and apples. Yes. This was a, this was like, hey, the Cirque, Cirque du Soleil came to town, uh, plus drag strip, dragsters on one end of the lot, NASCAR on the other end of the lot, Cirque du Soleil on the other end, 
and it was all part of one show. We were still bringing and offering our stories, our storylines, the talent that we had, and the performances, and the stories that we had in place. That's what we offered as an alternative. And in those days, I think we knew that it was because all you had to do was watch one of their shows and they were selling characters and everybody had an ice cream bar. Everybody was on a lunchbox. You know, all the all the marketing was through the roof of those guys. We feel like we had the superior product as far as a wrestling product. But they had, you know, they had that, hey, the, the circus is in town. And it was uh, it was a big deal. WrestleMania three was definitely we knew was going to be a big deal. I'm curious from your perspective, you know, when you see all that's happening up there with the rock and wrestling and the cartoons and as the guys called them back then, the dolls, of course, we know they're LJN action figures, but still you're hearing these crazy payoffs of, of, of what a guy got from WrestleMania and that they were literally like moving boxes of cash at the merch stand. And as the legend goes, the iron sheet got a check for 50 grand for just a quarter for his quote unquote doll. And some of that has to be trickling down. Do you remember there being chatter amongst the boys of, Hey, uh, are we playing for the right team here? Or, or was it more of a, Ugh, we don't do that kind of stuff. As far as the WWE presentation, <clears throat> I can speak for us. I can speak for Tully myself, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, that were really part of the core of Jim Crockett promotions, Dusty, all those guys, you know, the guys that were there for the, the long haul, we were a little bit embarrassed by what they were putting out there, to be honest with you. A lot of it was such ha-ha and such, you know, Tennessee high spots taken to a whole nother level. And uh, there was just so much gaga and ha-ha about it that it, for a lot of us, you know, it, it was, don't, hey, don't include us as part of that because that's not what we do. We were insulted to a degree. And uh, I think at that particular time, we were making pretty damn good money. I know, you know, I was making more than I ever dreamed. And, uh, you know, it was hit and miss on every house wasn't sold out. But right. Enough of them were that we're making a damn good living. And I don't think any of that core, that core Jim Crockett, you know, the rock and roll, the midnight, all those guys at this point, we're at a point where, hey, it was them against us when we were in war and we were going to win the war by attrition because we could just outwork all those guys. Not arguing that. Uh, did you get a chance to see WrestleMania three? Did you have a friend get a video cassette at some point? Did you ever see the show? Um, I'm sure I saw bits and pieces down the road when it was free to see. Sure. Uh, but I did. I didn't make arrangements to tape it or certainly didn't buy it. Like I said, we were at a war. They were the enemy. I think in that era, it was mostly closed circuit anyway, sort of the precursor for traditional pay-per-view, but I know that it became a, you know, a, a VHS machine and just a cash cow for them. You know, most people remember WrestleMania three for a handful of things, the retirement of Roddy Piper, certainly. Uh, but mostly people talk about the macho man. And Ricky, the dragon steamboat. And of course the main event with Hogan, Andre, 
did you think the Hogan Andre thing was as box office as it was presented on TV for the WWF or was it just not your cup of tea in that era? Well, I, I just, uh, the performer and me and, uh, you know, we're all think we're bookers at some point. I just wondered what they were going to do. Cause I, I didn't think they would beat the giant. Right. Nobody had before. I don't know why anybody would. Uh, so that was a little bit shocking. And, uh, that was one of those things where you went, wow. Okay. Well, they did it. They, they passed the torch and they did it in the right way. And that was one of those things that they did do right. Steamboat and, uh, Savage. You know, if you're a, perf- yeah, Savage, if you're a performer in this industry and you haven't seen that match and understood just how much went into it and how much performance was involved and, you know, just remembering where you were in that match and, and just everything about it. If you're not proud of that and you don't hold that up and go, you want to see something spectacular? You want to see what professional wrestling can be? Put that match on. I wonder about yourself, you know, as a guy who took a lot of pride in his work in the ring, just bell to bell, you know, everybody knows looking back how great that match was with steamboat and savage and all the false finishes. But over the years, it's almost been joked about Ricky steamboat has even said, boy, Randy planned everything. He wrote everything down and he had everything planned out, you know, almost move by move for the entire match. And these days it's pretty common for the guys to spend a lot of time putting their matches together, but there's almost this old school vibe that says, ah, you don't do that. You just call it in the ring. And on the one hand, I understand the wisdom behind that as of, you know, you don't just want to go through a series of memorized spots and, and, and moves. You want to see what is the audience into give them more of that and, and really vibe off of the crowd for lack of a better word. What are they buying? What are they hating? What are they booing? What are they cheering? That sort of deal. I guess what I'm driving at is this is the first time I remember someone talking about a match being that sort of pre-planned. We're going to do this. And then you're going to do that. And sort of step by step. When you first heard that that's how the match was put together. How did that strike you? Is that, are you a little too old school for that? Or could you see, well, it's the biggest platform ever. I get why they were wanting to be perfectionists. Certainly savage did. You know what my initial gut reaction was? You're kidding. How the hell did they remember all that? Right. Because I couldn't have. Not in a thousand years for a million dollars could I have remembered all that. Uh, You know, it's just there was so much volume. There were so many false finishes. It rocked back and forth. You know, it was one of those things that you got lost in in the... and the false finishes because it was just such, it was almost like a 25 minute high spot. Literally was. And how they were able to pull that off and remember everything, I guess, was because they were so uh, good at, at their craft at that particular time. And I guess they must have went over it and over it and over it and, and over it and over it some more until it just became second nature. That's all I can figure. I couldn't have pulled it off. No way. It's just fun to look back in hindsight and think about WrestleMania three and how important it was for business, especially knowing the way Jim Crockett jr. Felt about it, but let's hear about what's going on with the horseman. we got a clip here from pro. We've got Ole and Arn here 
doing a couple of promos. Number 16 here. It's pro March 28th, 1987. Hands up a man that James J. Dolan tried to get rid of by hiring big Bubba. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be pretty hard to get rid of Ole Anderson. I know a lot of people have tried. I want to know where in the world of people like Tully Blanchard and J.J. Dillon and Arn, and of course my good, my dear, dear cousin Rick, where do they get off trying to tell me that it's more important for me to make a date with them someplace, it's more important for me to go out to a party with them than it is to go home and be with my family or be with that snot-nosed boy of mine. I'd like to know in all the years that I have wrestled, who in the world ever is going to attack family? You might come out here and punch me in the nose and I expect it. I might go over and punch you in the nose and you better expect it. I might even go jump something over in the parking lot. That's all part of it. In our wrestling business, we expect the competition and sometimes we expect the Pearl Harbor and the sneak attack. But I'll tell you what, when you start talking about family, particularly when you start talking about mine, that's one thing that don't go and it hasn't got any place. And Flair, I tell you what, you really surprised me. Family, why are you talk about throwing me out of the horseman? Forget about the horseman. How about throwing you out of the family? How about throwing you, throwing Tully, throwing JJ, throwing Arn out? I want to see what it's like when you go home. If you think so little about my family and you think so little about these people's family out here, what do you think it's going to be like when you go home? One of these days, somebody's going to wake up and they're going to realize that they're sitting next to a guy that just isn't worth much. Right now, the score is 1-0. You guys really pulled a fast one on me. But you make a mistake, and you ought to know I'm the teacher. I'm the guy that taught a lot of you, and even Tully, a few things I showed you in the gym. But you didn't learn it all. I didn't show it all. You better get ready, because now there's not going to be any mercy. I'm looking for every one of you. And we might as well start with you, Big Bubba, you big tub of guts. When I get to Baltimore in the tent, you look out. Okay, fans, more action right after this timeout. See, apparently Ole still doesn't realize what happened. He's making excuses and trying to put the blame on everybody, but right where it should go. Tony Giovanni, you don't want to talk about business. Ole don't want to talk about business. He wants to talk about family. Okay, Ole, let's talk family. You see, you're talking about you didn't want to make a date with a horseman to go to some party because of family. Ole, the horsemen were your family. It was the horseman. It was the success of the horseman that provided all the jewelry, all the cars, the milk, the bread that fed your family. You see, Ole Anderson, everything we do in our lifestyle comes from the success of the four horsemen. Now, you want to turn your back. How much bread and milk are you going to buy, Ole, turning your back on the horseman, being a cast-off? Explain that to your kid. He wanted to be an amateur chaplain. He is. But I want you to look him in the eye, Ole, when your income goes down and say, was it worth the price? Was it worth it? Let's go to the ring, fans. Man, I'm loving the advancement of the storyline here. And of course, that's really the, the chief thing we're trying to get over, uh, especially in this era. We've got a promo with all of the horsemen uh, from that same show, Pro. This is number 17. Everybody's together here on March 28th, 1987. Let's take a listen. Really looking right. It's funny what can happen in a matter of a time span of less than 60 minutes. It wasn't too long ago the American Dream was standing out here. Oh, puppy, number two seed, Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. The opening bell hasn't even sounded in Baltimore, and it looks right now, right now, that the American Dream doesn't even have a partner. And he has the audacity to stand out here and even refer 
to the world heavyweight champion, Ric Flair. Huh. You know, Tony Schiavone, as I stand here among the elite in the greatest sport in the world, I know for a fact it has to send chills through your body because you stand out here hour after hour with guys that mean nothing in this sport compared to the four horsemen, Tully Blanchard, the world television champion, Double A, one of the greatest of all time, Lex Luger, give it to him one time, Lex. Mr. Woo! Boy, that's what they do at every club across the country. Tell him, Tully. You know what, Rick? Being one of the four horsemen 24 hours a day is what it's all about, Tony Schiavone. That's why we can come out here. That's why the girls are screaming. That's why we got all the belts. You know, I always said Lex Luger strives to be the best of me, does. That's why I came next to you, because I want to be a horseman. That's what's come to pass. Check it out. The best buy in the band is a guy named Dusty Rhodes, and he's the single greatest attractive sports today. Well, check it out. Dusty Rhodes, you're looking at the new one. That's past tense. Take a good look, Ollie Anderson. Fans <laughs> of Bob Cuddle and Johnny Weaver, I'm Tony Schiavone. See you next week on NWA Pro Wrestling. How hard was it to keep a straight face for some of Rick's shit back then? <laughs> Impossible. Well, it's uh, almost impossible to follow a fun horseman promo, but on worldwide, we're going to hear from Ole Anderson. Number 18 here. It's March 18th, 1987. Let's hear what Ole's got to say about all that's happening here. Are you one of the four horsemen? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to cry too much about it. Not being a horseman. I don't know what the heck they think they're talking about. I'm the one that started and I guess I'm the one that's going to call an end to it. Not those guys. But you look around, they wanted to have youth. They wanted speed. They wanted somebody's going to hang around and party with them. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't have that youth anymore, but I got a lot of years of experience and experience counts for something. And I've had a lot of people in the last couple of weeks come up and tell me what it was like working on a job someplace when a young punk came up and they had to show them how to do it. Well, it's the same thing in wrestling. I had to show those young punks how to do it. But like any good teacher, there's always a few things that you don't show them. And there's one thing that came up that came to my mind here. Somebody said to me, hey, Ole, look at those guys. They got youth, they got speed, and they got belts. Arn was a TV champion, now Tully's a TV champion. Luger, you just hope to be a champion, maybe you'll get it. Flair, you're the biggest champion of all, world heavyweight champion. People asked, Ole, how come you have never been the TV champion? How come you have never gone after that world heavyweight champion? Well, I'll tell you up to now, since it was all family, I just played it that way. I said, okay, family, that's the way it stays. You want to be champion? I'm not even going to ask for a match. I'm not even going to think about getting that TV belt. I'm not even going to think about going after that world heavyweight belt. But since I'm an old man, I'm a war horse, and I still figure I maybe got one ride left, well, then my, why not go for the biggest ride of all? You get up here, you talk to Mr. Ric Flair, world heavyweight champion, and you ask him how many times he gave me a shot at that world heavyweight title. You ask Black how many times he gave me a shot i'll tell you what the old ward horse got that one ride left and i'm gonna ride them both to the here dude how excited was he i mean (laughs) golly holy kid i mean you can't hold a candle to him in this era can you no 
No, it just got, we just to the point. Never stumbled over a word, no sentence fragments. Just got to the point. Is it just repetition or was he just that damn good? Or both? Well, I mean, you, you got to remember how, how long had he been in the business at that point? About 73 was, years. He came from the 70s. Yeah. You know, he was getting those reps, those, those, uh, you know, weekly, uh, same town reps talking about, and you had to know what you're talking about. You had to know what you did last week. So you know what you can talk about this week, you know, and market specs week after week after week, same towns. That's how guys got good reps. And of course the business has changed quite a bit. Uh, now we're going to finish things up here with a clip from world championship wrestling. We're going to have a little conversation about somebody who is leaving right after this though. But uh, number 21 is uh, March 28th. We're going to see a horseman promo. Uh, and then we're going to kind of fast forward and talk over the, uh, the Tim Horner match you have, but there's some aftermath that we probably want to talk about from March 28th, 1987. Obviously they're geared for the Jim Crockett senior Memorial cup. And it's hard to overlook that when you're talking about a million dollars and probably one of the biggest events in wrestling history, but it's overshadowed for me personally because of the continuing existence of Ole Anderson. And every time I turn around, I'm looking at his kisser. Every time somebody slides a contract under me on behalf of the four horsemen, all I see is Ole Anderson's name. Now, Ole Anderson, I've overlooked a lot of things over the years with you as part of the four horsemen. You're talking about family. Four horsemen is what it's all about. It's not my fault that you got a house full of kids. It's not my fault that it costs you a fortune to put milk on the table because you got so many kids. It's not my fault that you got to one one for karate lessons, you got to run another one for ballet lessons, and another one down for a wrestling camp. Only that's your problem. And that's where the whole thing came about. You got your priorities mixed up. Because as long as you were with the horseman, you had money to put milk on the table. You had money to send your kid for karate lessons. You had money to send the other one for ballet lessons. Well, Ole Anderson, you've been cut off financially. And you're going to be cut off physically by the four horsemen before this is all said and done. You know, J.J., it amazes me how Ole Anderson could come out here and say, you're number one on the list. Well, Ole Anderson, I might be the first, but you're not going any farther up a list. The horsemen are the best. You know it better than anybody. That's why you got shunned, because you got your priorities, just like JJ said, mixed up. Well, if you want to come after this, you come. You want to come after me without this, you come. You jump, Ole Anderson, because I learned a whole bunch from you. And I got lots of years of experience, too. I'm not wet under behind the ears. So, Ole, you can fool everybody about being old and experienced, all that stuff. You bring it all in that squared circle because I've wrestled the best of them for many years and I've taken a lot of things from the best of them, Ole Anderson. You come and jump and talking about the cup, this man and myself will be there live in exciting color. Well, the impact of Alex Luger, Atoli Blanchard, the horseman is clearly evident because we're already one of the top seeds. By the time the Memorial Cup comes around, we will be the team to beat. I know I've always gotten what I've gone after in life. Whether it's money, I've got all that since I've come here. The women, cars, clothes, all these strength things. Lex Luger gets. Well, that's athletics. One of the greatest three sports stars in high school athletics ever. 
my collegiate football career, my professional football career, I always strive to be the best. I always get what I want. There's one void left. There's a man running around with the U.S. heavyweight title. There's a void around this chiseled abdomen of mine, and I'm after it. Nikita Koloff, they thought he was invulnerable. They thought he couldn't be hurt. Well, he's hurt now. There's a weakness there. You can feel my hot breath down the back of your neck, Nikita. You got some butterflies. You're having a little trouble sleeping. That's all right, because you know Lex Luger, the man who always gets what he wants, is coming after you and your belt. You know, Tony Schiavone, let's go look at another one of the horsemen. Make short work of Tim Horner. Okay, let's go to the ring. So at this point, you're going to uh, get a win over Tim Horner. Uh, and then I think we've got a little bit of a fallout after the match. Uh, it's interesting that we're, we're finishing our show or winding down our show with you wrestling, Tim Horner. And that's kind of how we started today's episode with you bragging about what a hell of a hand he was. And of course, JJ Dillon is going to, uh, help with a little bit of, uh, the commentary here and, uh, let's listen to the finish of the match and then hear the fallout. Sunset flip. The horseman went towards the ring, and now right JJ now. is right take, there. Takes his time. Puts him up. Oh, on him. Puts him in a rope. Throws him up. Bridges back. Has him down with being watched. Oh, oh there's Tully Blanchard. Hey. Tim. Oh, hey. Hey, guys. Looks like you get him. Oh. Tim Hunter will win by disqualification. What an event. again, David. Watch this. White lightning. Rolls him up. Bridge is back. And here comes Tully. That's damn near a three. Even Lex Luger. All of them in there trying to get White Lightning Tim Horner and they can't. Your winner, White Lightning Tim Horner. I tell you, regardless of what you think and who you cheer for, that was a heck of a match. Tony Giovanni, I had the man beat. Everybody saw it. Tim Horner just took a powder. Because he saw, you saw, all these people saw what's fixing to happen. Good Buster. So what he did, he talking self-preservation, saving it for the cup. Only Anderson, you've decided that an amateur regional wrestling championship there's more importance in the horses. Okay. Cost you the prestige, the notoriety. It costs you the what it takes. It costs you, Ole Anderson. But when you walk in a club, everybody jumps up and says, there's the horseman. Now they say, there's the cast off. Where's Ole? I'll tell you what, Ole. You want to jump on Tully? Fine. You want to jump on Luger? Fine. You want to jump on Flair? Fine. Everybody knows a nasty situation. On the face of the earth, it's a family squabble. So only whether it's Boston, wherever it may be, Charlotte, Atlanta, it doesn't matter. The bottom line is only it's time for the cup. I've got a partner, and usually it's not you. I told you everything would be all right for the cup. Let's put first things first. Let's take care of the cup. Let's put the million in the bank. Then we're going to take care of Ole Anderson. You've got a great, great partner, and he's got some That's words. Let's hear what Kevin hear Sullivan what has to say right now. I've been chosen to be the partner of Arn Anderson, one of the most elite wrestlers of all times, a member of the Four Horsemen, for the biggest extravaganza in the history of professional wrestling. 
I'm talking about the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. One million dollars to be given away to the winner of the tag team tournament in Baltimore for two days. You see, I'm seated with Iron Anderson as the number seven team. And the reason Ole isn't there is Ole doesn't have the fire in his eyes anymore. Like Double A says, well, if you look into my eyes real close, you don't have to worry, Double A, because there's more than fire in these eyes. There's lightning. And for a million dollars, Daddy, I'd do anything. You see, I once had a brother, same thing as Ole, and we institutionalized him. For a million dollars, there'll be fire, lightning, and bolts. So there we go. It's kind of interesting. I think most people sort of skip over the idea that Tully Blanchard would not be your tag team partner. Once Ole leaves, he's instead going to be tagging with Lex, which I guess in hindsight makes sense. He needs somebody to add a little garnish, do a little camouflage work for him. But instead you're teaming with the devil himself, Kevin Sullivan. What about that pairing Arn? Yeah, I think uh, the, that's part of what made that tournament interesting. There yeah. Some really odd matchups and pairings that being one of them for sure. Well, let's talk about one of the other headlines that happened here that has remained a mystery. It happened on March 24th, 1987. You guys are doing a TV taping in Lincoln, North Carolina. Uh, Ron and Jimmy Garvin would pick up a win over Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry. And that would be Condry's last appearance for 18 months. Now, just to add some context to all of this, Stan Lane first showed up or was first mentioned, uh, on February 28th on pro saying that he's going to be a part of the promotion. He's going to show up on the WTBS show, um, on March 14th. And he would even happen to tag with Bobby that day, but it felt like maybe just a one-off, but by the 28th, just four days after Condry ha- makes his last appearance, Stan Lane is now the new member of the Midnight Express. He's going to replace Condry. And this remained a mystery for a long, long time. Dennis Condry broke his silence a couple of years ago, talking about leaving the Midnight Express. He says, we had an offer, a great offer. I thought we couldn't refuse. Vince McMahon got in contact with us. He said, I'm going to fly you guys up. We told him we were not interested because we're making good money here in the Carolinas. He said, I'll double it. I said, okay. We got on the plane and flew up there. The Crockett's found out about it and they didn't like it. Dusty comes in and asks, are we leaving or staying? And we thought we did this on the sneak. We thought we were sneaking around. Telly Blanchard went to the airport and saw us fly in. And he told Dusty, we made a deal with Vince while we were there in New York. Jimmy and Bobby changed their minds and decided they didn't want to go. I told them, I wish they would have told him. Vince wanted all three of us. No different. Bobby had a couple of kids in school. Jimmy had bought a house. I bought a house too. I think it scared him. Now, Bobby Eaton would say in a shoot interview years ago, quote, Dennis let me out of the car one night and said, see you tomorrow. And then I didn't see him for two years. And he said that Dennis never told him why he left and never talked about it. And he figured he didn't think it was anybody's business. Now it's also come out that at that time, Dennis had some problems going on at home. He would ultimately wind up going, find himself going through a divorce and I don't know, maybe the trappings of the road caught up with him. What did you hear when all of a sudden one of the great tag teams was split in half and nobody knew where the other half went or why? 
<clears throat> one of the strangest things that I've ever encountered. It's like one day he was there, no inkling that anything was wrong, and the next day he just wasn't. And there was a few days that elapsed, and I'm pretty sure it was probably between one television taping and another, and then suddenly Stan Lane was there. And, and it's, you know, Bobby was a very private guy. If he considered that Dennis's personal business, if he knew anything, he wouldn't have told you about it because that's the way Bobby was. Uh, no one ever gave me, like, here's what happened. It's like no one knew. Now, I guess on that inner circle they knew, and it sounds like you got a couple of different stories there. Um, Tully telling Dusty, that's the first I've ever heard that. You'd never heard that story before? I swear I've never heard that before. He just he saw him at the airport. Is that what it was? Come I mean, flying back from there. That's what Dennis believed. Did you ever hear that they met with Vince? Never did. Wow. I'll tell you the timeline is curious because again, Dennis's last date uh, that he made for Jim Crockett was four days prior to WrestleMania three. So March twenty fourth, man, that's a big deal. Um. The timing is curious and it still remains a mystery. We got to pin down Dennis as from what I understand, he lives here in town, just right up the road from me. We got to, uh, get him on the show sometime, talk about the good old days and get to the bottom of, Hey man, what was going on? Um, but man, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts here in professional wrestling in March of 87 with Ole out Lex is in Stan Lane, stepping into Condry shoes. And now we're getting ready for, uh, the big tag team tournament. This is going to be uh, an interesting show as we get ready for next week to cover April 87. Is it not? Absolutely. I, and again, I am one, you've got my curiosity up. I would love to know the Dennis Condor story. Yeah. We got to get to the bottom of that this year for sure. Because we were, we were on fire. The company was on fire. Love to know, love to know. Well, it's a mystery for another day. That's going to bring us to a close today. Um, Aaron, and I had a lot of fun with today's episode. I like that we're, uh, trying some new things and, and we're able to, um, uh, take a different approach today. And we got to talk a little AEW at the top of the show and I'm pumped for next week, man. We're going to have the, sort of the fallout of WrestleMania and everybody's going to know what a huge success that was. So now we're going to see, uh, the big response, if you will, from Jim Crockett promotions next month. It should be great. Can't wait. We'll see you next week right here on Arn. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.